Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Wall. You know, with changing times in the workplace and challenges around mental health, physical health, and even ergonomics in home offices, companies are looking for solutions to keep their workforces healthy. So today we're going to talk to two business leaders who have embraced wellness. The first is Mr. Paul McCloskey, who is a senior leader with an offshore oil and gas company here in Newfoundland and Labrador. And the second half of the show, we're going to talk with Veronica Marston, founder of TriFit, which is one of Canada's largest corporate wellness companies. Now, Paul spent his career in the oil and gas industry, and during his tenure here in Newfoundland and Labrador, he had a strong focus on creating a culture of health in his workplace, both onshore and offshore. This led to improved safety performance and overall well-being for his team. These programs were recognized internationally for their effectiveness, so today we're interrupting his well-deserved retirement to talk about these programs as he joins us from his home in the UK. Welcome to the show, Paul. Hey, Mike, it's great to be here and thank you for inviting me. Yeah, well, it's been a, quite a while since we've seen each other, but um, I think that one of the things we're talking about today that's important is, is corporate wellness, but from a leadership perspective, since I've known you, you've always been pretty healthy. It's been an important part of your life. How did health play a part in being able to manage your career? Yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting, Mike. Um, you know, in my youth, I was, uh, I consider myself something of an athlete and um, I always took exercise, you know, very seriously. Uh, when I started work in the oil industry um, in the late uh, 70s, <laughs> I, um, I started off working offshore and uh, that was quite physically demanding. And it's certainly an environment where you need to be on your game. Um, you know, it, it is inherently uh, challenging and can be dangerous. And I think, you know, being sort of physically in good condition, but also being alert and, uh, you know, mentally um, uh, at the top of your powers was really important. There was no, no, no scope ever for complacency. And so, so as that went along, you've, you moved through the ranks, obviously. And when I met you, you were at the head of an organization here in St. John's. Um, yeah. And that, that was sort of part of your daily routine. You made time for that, even though I think that you probably had as good of excuse as anybody to, to avoid, you know, other activities that won't work. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll admit, you know, in my, you know, as I, as I moved through to, to more uh, significant leadership positions, the challenge, if anything, became greater because um, while you're not under uh, physical stress, you're under mental and emotional stress, and a lot of it is expected of you. Uh, I think it's rare that you're not on duty, mm. and I, I found myself having to, you know, travel extensively with the job, and I found I found that having an exercise routine and some kind of dietary <laughs> pro program helped me yeah. um, because. Um, you know, traveling to Calgary, three and a half hours time difference, uh, waiting for my, you know, my breakfast, I'll go to the gym and work out for an hour. And as hard as that was, I always felt better for it. And it got the blood flowing, you know, got me sort of mentally into the day. Um, and really it became a, a matter of establishing good life habits. Um, I'm really good at establishing bad habits, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> You know, establishing good habits uh, are, are really important. And I think that for a time I became um, slightly preoccupied with, with diet. But then as I started to understand, you know, more about what I was eating uh, and when, um, I was able to then 
put that to one side and I, I kind of knew knew the right things to eat. And in terms of, of exercise, I knew the right kind of exercises for me. And um, I continued that through my working life. And now that I'm happily retired, um, I'm just keeping that going. That's great. What are some of the things you're doing now? Well, I have, uh, <laughs> I have a personal trainer and uh, work out uh, three, three sessions a week. Um, I supplement that with uh, golf and walking and uh, doing jobs around the house, which can be surprisingly good exercise. Um, and, you know, Alison and I, we, we plan our week uh, so that we have a, a balanced diet through the week, which sounds a little, um, I don't know, a little bit strange really, but um, we try and make sure that we have uh, vegetarian meals as well as, um, you know, uh, meatitarian meals. Yeah. <laughs> so, I got you. Actually, that brings you another point too, uh, is that, you know, your partner, uh, Allison, she's very into health as well. How valuable is that when you're, when you're trying to balance the whole career and everything else to have somebody at home that lives it? Yeah. Um, Allison also, you know, had, was, you know, very sporting in her youth and, and, and she continues today. You know, we both say play golf and play tennis and, uh, walk and she's also, uh, joining the, in, in the, um, uh, the training sessions. Um, it's, it's great, really, because I think you can, there are, let's face it, there are times when you don't really feel that today is the day to be doing your program. But if you've got somebody alongside you who's cajoling you. Yeah, right. Um, and, you know, we, we act as each other's support network. And, um, yeah, I, I must admit, I probably slightly take the lead on the exercise and she probably takes slightly the lead on the diet. Yeah. Um, but between us, it works out. And, um, you know, she's always been a... a you know, fantastic support for me throughout my career. And yeah, yeah I think, you know, from a, a, you know, mental and emotional well-being, you, you need somebody who's um, bought into what you're doing. And we've always viewed ourselves as being a, a partnership and, mm -hmm. and, and friendship and, and even, you know, better for all of that. Yeah. So you said something that was really interesting. You said that at first you kind of really focused on things like diet and exercise, and then you kind of understood it. You came from a safety world it being a heavy industry. Um, yeah. that's, that's unconscious competence. So they sometimes say that safety is like, you know, it's, it's, there's unconscious incompetence where people don't know what they're doing and then they become consciously incompetent. They're aware they're doing it wrong and then they become consciously competent, which takes a bunch of effort, but they do it right. And before long, it becomes second nature. How did that process evolve for you? Because I think some people get frustrated that they don't understand it day one. Well, I think, you know, it started with, uh, we're very clear in terms of you know, our personal objectives, where we wanted to get to. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to be healthy. We wanted to be fit. Uh, and, and frankly, you know, through our lives, you know, we've, we, we've traveled around the world. We've lived in lots of different environments. Um, and we wanted to be able to continue to be as active as that in, in retirement. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd hate to, you know, there's so many stories you hear of people who've worked all their lives, retired, and then, you know, in a very short time become ill and, and then can't enjoy all those things they've been putting off. Mm -hmm. So we're very clear about our personal objectives. You know, we wanted to be healthy, wanted to be fit and able to do the things and continue to do the things that we enjoyed. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that was the starting point for us. Um, we both uh, had very much um, you know, sporting backgrounds. And so there was a, a kind of ethic around exercise and, and scheduling exercise. So that was part of it. Um, I think diet came later. Um, and there are some great resources online where you can 
you know, analyze, you know, at a very simple level what you eat and look at the balance of what you're eating. Um, frankly, that opened my eyes and I started to change not only what I was eating, but when I was eating it. Um, so it wasn't just a matter of calorie counting. It was looking at, you know, the balance of protein and carbohydrates and fiber and everything else. Once I had a, a good understanding of that, I had a pretty good sense of what meals I could eat and, and, and maybe the treats I could have or shouldn't have and was able to incorporate them. Then I think uh, the next stage for me was around exercising in a manner which gave me better all-round workout. I think all of us can be guilty of doing the things you know, in exercise or in life that we enjoy and neglecting everything else. And uh, frankly, having a trainer, somebody who could work alongside and help me with my objectives, introduce me to different exercises and kind of, as I walked through the door, um, kind of assess whether this was going to be a tough day or an easier day. Uh, that was really, really helpful. And I've got a kind of inventory now of uh, workouts that I can call upon. Mm -hmm. And uh, my personal trainer helps me uh, both face-to-face, -face, but through an online resource mm -hmm. where I can go and uh, basically look through a shopping list of um, exercise programs and I can work different parts of my body. And I do that. And um, it sounds a bit geeky actually, but um, <laughs> in fact, there's a lot less, it's, it's a lot less um, uh, dogmatic and programmed than that. Um, but I've got a lot of freedom in terms of how I go about uh, putting my, my exercise and, and dietary programs together. That's great. And that's actually one of the things we've talked to Veronica Marston about from TriFit is that wellness and fitness and diet is much more accessible now. So those people that don't have access to say a personal trainer can go online and find a program that, that meets their needs because technology is allowing that. And, and I guess that brings me to the next point is that you, you obviously see the value in health and how it impacted your ability to perform the job, but the organization that you ran, you made sure that wellness was an important aspect of what the employees experienced by working there. Why was that such an important thing for you? Well, you know, where I started right at the beginning in terms of talking about my career, you know, the offshore industry, oil industry in general, is physically demanding, it's intellectually demanding, it's a tough environment. And you're always looking at ways you can improve, not your, just your own performance, but your team's performance and your organization's performance. Because frankly, there's so much at stake. Um, and I mean, one of the things that, that uh, we introduced um, during my tenure uh, was to uh, give people discounted access to uh, fitness programs and fitness training. Um, because, you know, I, I suppose the rationale is if I believed it worked for me, then I would believe it would work for, for my team. Mm -hmm. And uh, we also introduced somewhat more formal programs looking at some of the, the basics like good lifting technique or you know rigging techniques which enable people to work uh, more safely off offshore and having people um, uh, you know look at the way they were structuring their work days uh, to make sure that uh, they were they were at their optimum when they were at the work phase all of that i believed um, and i think the records would show it uh, led to an extremely good uh, health and safety performance and so it's something I'm proud of, and I, I hope that uh, uh, the team and, and members of the organization got benefit from that and are continuing that today. 
We'll be right back with Paul McCloskey as he talks about the value of wellness in the workplace. I think that's, that's part of it. You had two very diverse populations. You had an office staff, which was, you know, very traditional in your office type setting. And then you've got, you had your offshore environment, which were completely different demographics. Um, what were some of the benefits that you saw people uh, uh, sort of achieved in both the office and in the offshore? Um, well, I mean, I think in terms of, you know, just general health and well-being. uh, what you see is people who are able to perform their job to their, their optimum capacity all of the time. You know, they, they don't get sick as much. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, when they are at work, they say they're, they're operating in an optimal, optimal condition. Uh, and as you would expect in any population, uh, probably about a third of the people took that on and, and it became very much a part of their lives. About a third kind of came in and out and about a third kind of refused nicks. But that's okay. Um, you know, certainly, uh, I think as, as a leader, you start failing when you, you know, you need to enforce programs. Um, it's better to do, you know, to, to introduce them um, and then have people see the benefit for themselves. And certainly, I tried to lead by example. And, you know, perhaps that, that made a difference for some people. They saw that it wasn't just paying lip service to a program, but it was somebody who was, you know, actively engaged in that program too. Um, because I think as a leader of an organization, um, you're always communicating. Um, you're either communicating through what you say, what you do, and you're being observed. And um, I tend to believe that uh, what you do and what you're observed doing are some of the most powerful sort of motivators for people in organizations. Right. Okay, that's, that's a great point because, I mean, how can somebody buy into a program that you might not necessarily be participating in yourself? So a lot of people that are watching or listening to this today, uh, they may be looking at trying to engage their populations more. A lot of people are working remotely from home um, and yeah. they're not able to have the same optics. You know, what would you recommend to people like how to start sort of changing this culture of health? Well, Mike, you know, it's um, one of the positives about this crazy world we're in right now is that there's been an explosion in online resources. Um, my personal trainer was telling me um, last week that he's now doing about 90% of his work online, which is extraordinary. And uh, <laughs> rather strangely, my, one of my son-in-laws is working for a technology company in Cambridge who are developing online counseling resources for the NHS, uh, the National Health Service here. And, and they're selling not only to the NHS, but also uh, to uh, their services to private companies. So I think if companies are so minded, they can, they can find expert help online and they can tailor the, the offering to what they're looking for in their organization, given their organization's demographics. And the, and the challenges of the environment they're working in. Okay, so that's actually another good point is that you said that for the offshore, you were looking at things like manual handling and proper lifting yeah. techniques to avoid injuries. And yeah. then the office, you had maybe more exercise and diet. How does sometimes catering the offering help engage the population? Well, I think it's, a, it's the same of anything in life. You know, where you see relevance to you as an individual or, or to your you know, family, you're gonna be more engaged. Um, and I think 
were I to have any criticism of the kind of wellness industry, because it is an industry, uh, sometimes people are turned off by what they see a kind of evangelical approach to it and that you know it's being pushed down their throats um, it shouldn't be seen that way at all I think it should be very much uh, you know user-led and demand-led and need-led so if you've got an organization with a specific challenge or specific set of requirements um, you, you will be able to find what you need out there without without question mm -hmm. Well, that's great. And I think that's, that's really the kind of message that people need. I think more than ever, it's going to be important for folks to take care of themselves. Um, and I guess the last question, you know, when you look about COVID for you, how do you think the whole pandemic has changed people's perception of their health status? Yeah, that's, ooh, that, again, that's a really big question. Yeah. The, um, certainly, uh, the way it's affected the UK in the very early stages of, of our lockdown phase, people were being encouraged to you know, stay at home except for one hour a day where they could leave the house to exercise. A number of people have never exercised for an hour a day in their whole lives, but suddenly found that to escape the four walls of home, there was this opportunity to get out and enjoy it. And uh, so many people I've spoken to now see exercise as very much a part of their lives. Um, there's been uh, an absolute explosion in the in in cycling the, the bike sales have gone through the roof yeah. um, use of online um, exercise resources is absolutely booming so it's a very difficult time I think it's given people an opportunity to reflect on their lives and their priorities and they're seeing that perhaps in their pursuit of, the, of work and the way they were living previously uh, some of the things that were important, like their health, like their mental well-being, were being, uh, you know, sort of shoved aside. And now there's an opportunity for them to live fundamentally differently. And many have seized that, and it's heartening to see. And the other thing I think we saw here, and I'm not sure if it's, it's true in Newfoundland as well, but um, there's a really been an increase in uh, community spirit and support there are a number of people who were, you know, because of their health, struggling to uh, to get out and to, to, you know, get food and other resources. And their neighbours have stepped in to help them. Um, and, yeah, there's a real uh, reinforced sense of community, which I think, you know, it would be great if we can hold on to that because it would serve us all well in the future. No, that's right. And we've we've had that here in Newfoundland. Newfoundland is luckily one of the safest places on the planet right now. Uh, and that's that's been a lot to do with how diligent people have been to follow the public health guidelines, which is something we should be really proud of. But uh, yeah, you should. yeah, well, thanks for taking the time today, Paul. I really, really appreciate it. I think it's important for people to hear the message from somebody who lived it and uh, did it within their organization. So thanks. And uh, I'm glad you're enjoying your retirement. Well-deserved. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Uh, good luck with the program. Thank you. When we come back, we'll be joined by Veronica Marston, founder of TriFit, one of Canada's largest wellness companies. She'll share some of the creative ways organizations are focusing on wellness when working remotely or in the new normal of a physical workspace. We'll be right back after this break. Hi, Veronica. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Mike. Great to be on it. Well, we've worked together in the past, but I think uh, it'd be nice for people to understand what's your background in wellness and how did you get into the field of corporate wellness? Mm -hmm. Well, um, it goes back actually a few decades at this point. 
Um, I have a kinesiology background, and I actually started my career at the YMCA in Ottawa. And in nine, I think it was around 1979, I, I had the opportunity to be part of a, a groundbreaking study funded by the federal government and conducted by the University of Toronto to evaluate the return of investment of workplace fitness programs. So I was actually hired to develop the program and to deliver the program, um, and it was a corporate fitness program for the experimental company. It was the Canada Life Assurance Company of Canada, and there was a control company, the North American Life. So at the um, and it was a very it was a very successful study and the study demonstrated that there's a significant return on investment of workplace fitness and wellness programs right from increased productivity to decreased absenteeism increased engagement so and we're talking a long time ago right. and it, actually at the end of the study we we had people from literally from as far away as Japan that came to see the candlelight program and. Uh, to see, you know, what had happened and how the results had been accrued. So at the conclusion of the study, um, I had the opportunity to stay on at Canada Life as their consultant. And then from there, I actually started TriFit with my business partner, Sue Pridham. So we're talking the early 80s at this point. And I've definitely seen a huge shift in trend in sort of where fitness and wellness has evolved from the early 80s, because in the early 80s, the employee demographic was quite different. It was much younger than it is today. And the focus was largely on physical fitness and recreational activities. And then as we saw more employees kind of enter the next stage of their lives, uh, start families, we saw a priority shift to, I'd sort of say, kind of a more holistic approach to fitness and wellness. So all of a sudden, you know, people were a little less active because they were juggling family and work. And so weight management, healthy eating started to become much more of a focus um, because people just simply did not have as much time to devote to fitness. And then then families sort of started to struggle a little bit with balancing work and family. So we saw, again, a, a bit more of an increased focus and demand on building personal resilience, stress management, work-life balance so that people could learn to cope with kind of literally whatever life threw their way. So over the last few decades, the wellness field really has continually evolved, not only to include fitness and healthy eating, but also mental health, um, and, and now more than ever, financial well-being. And these are all factors, everything from healthy eating to physical fitness, building personal resilience, financial well-being, they're all really key factors that in, can impact uh, overall health. Mm. And we've seen the change in health demographics too. Not only did people's structure their lives change, we, we've taken on more debt. When you say financial health, we've well, incurred yeah. more stress, and obesity yeah. rates are increasing as well. Exactly. So they're, they're all interrelated. You can't sort of separate, you know, one of these uh, factors more than another. They all play, and, and they're all interrelated. So, for example, if you know there's a, a really strong correlation between physical fitness and mental health, so we know that people that, that are physically active are less likely to suffer from um, mental health issues, depression, anxiety. And um, so there's, there's, there's clearly an interrelationship between all of these factors. And, of course, COVID hasn't helped as well. Actually, that's, that's a good point. So how has wellness and corporate wellness changed since the pandemic where people are working more from home yeah. and, and sort of less centralized? Yeah, well, you know, wellness has definitely changed. And, and I literally have to say overnight, I mean, we mm. we manage about – I'm going to say about 30 fitness facilities across Canada, and like literally, they all shut down within a week of each other. So overnight, right. all of a sudden, people are cut off from 
their fitness lifeline, their you know their their wellness support. So priorities had to shift extremely quickly once the pandemic was uh, declared. And I have to say that I think most organizations that are in this space did a really good job or have done a really good job in shifting from delivering programs on site to delivering them virtually. So that's been really interesting. I think we're seeing a much greater acceptance of virtual support, everything from psychological counseling to telemedicine. And there's really, there's every indication that this, this virtual support, these virtual programs are, uh, are here to stay. So mm-hmm. I think that, you know, even once employees start to go back to the office, and again, <clears throat> I think trends and the indications are that people will have an option of working part-time from home. But I think that even though there will, there will again, be some programs on site, I think that that sort of combination of face-to-face, on-site support, complemented by virtual programs, is the way of the future. I don't think there's any going back to all on-site, face-to-face support. Yeah, well, there's a convenience factor to it. I've had a workout partner that we went to the gym every morning, mm-hmm. bright and early, 6 a.m., and we right. started doing uh, video workouts together, yeah. and we missed significantly less, and we were able to work out longer because mm-hmm. we had more time, and we were mm-hmm. still saving time from, from heading yeah. to the gym. So Yeah, there's, there's a lot that. of positives. And one of, one of the interesting things that we found, and I can give one company as an example. We, we do a lot of work with Campbell's company, or Campbell's, and we actually manage their, their on-site fitness center at their head office in Mississauga. And it's a small facility, a small group of employees, and so we very quickly, as with all of our other programs, we went virtual. And where we used to see maybe eight or ten people in a fitness class, a virtual, in an on-site class, all of a sudden we were seeing 30 people in a class. Mm-hmm. And we were seeing people from Mexico participating. So, you know, by going virtual, you can reach so many more employees. We've got another client. They would get an average in a in one of their uh, wellness challenges. They might get you know, 200 people participate the last virtual challenge. We had people across Canada, we had 800 people across Canada participate. Mm -hmm. So when you look at, you know, the the impact that we're able to have by very quickly transitioning our programs to a virtual platform, I think it's really had just a huge impact. Well, okay, so that's a a good question. A lot of companies think wellness programming is expensive. I think people understand that there's a a value to having a wellness program that helps people and healthier people are Mm -hmm. more efficient and, and, and they get sick less often. But... How has technology helped help the smaller companies be able to access mm-hmm. wellness? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I think it, it's definitely more. Well, first of all, there's a lot of free resources, and I think that it's it's uh, forcing organizations to realize that there are a lot of really good resources, <clears throat> even with um, employee assistance programs or EFE programs. Most of them are offering wellness programs, but a lot of organizations aren't tapping into those wellness programs, and a lot of them are free resources. So I think it's now making organizations look at what what resources do they actually already have, both internally and externally. Mm. So it's tapping the resources that you have. I think also realizing that you can do more with less. So, for example, if you've got a head office of 50 employees, but you've got a scattering of other employees right across Canada, you can so much more easily reach them. So I think it becomes a wellness for all approach as opposed to it's just the head office program. And I think a lot of wellness programs have been accused of being, oh, it's a head office program. 
our programs are no longer head office programs. They are programs that we're able to we're, we're able to reach employees right across Canada, and in cases like Campbell's and other companies, like literally around the world. Right. So I think that that's been yeah, that's been a huge positive. Yeah. What we're also finding is that um, you know there's so many more Zoom meetings and WebEx meetings and Google Meets and people are getting really quite like they're they're zooming out literally. And so what we're being asked to do, and this is happening literally at Medicines Health Group, is we're being asked to come into senior leadership team meetings, into town halls, and we start the meetings with a stretch break or a mindfulness break or a little meditation session to give people a break um, and really help them to realize the importance of taking a break. I think people are spending way too long sitting in front of computers. I mean, you know, we don't have the person in the cubicle next to us. Um, we don't have to kind of walk a floor down or whatever to, you know, to, to go to the coffee station. Everything's right there. So we tend to sit more. And I think, you know, while we're doing these things, like starting off meetings or taking a break in a meeting and just standing and stretching for three minutes or doing some light, you know, walking on the spot and bending your knees, making people realize the importance of taking the break. And um, I think that that's, you know, how we can also be supporting organizations. They're, they're just so, there's such simple things to do. Well, are there different challenges popping up now where people's work environment is different? Are you seeing more soft tissue injuries? Are you yeah, seeing more yeah. psychological stress? Like exactly. What? Um, well, one of the things that we're finding is it's particularly important is, and we're doing this as well, is kind of the virtual home office ergonomic sessions. Mm-hmm. Because not only are people working from, they could be working anywhere. <laughs> they could be working in a bedroom. We know a lot of people are working from couches because there is there is no desk in the home, or they've got a large family or family, and they're literally going or taking their laptops from room to room trying to find a quiet spot. So those kind of virtual home office ergonomic sessions are are extremely important, and we are seeing more soft tissue injuries and also digital eye strain. You know, not having the monitor at the appropriate, you know, at the appropriate height for for your for yourself. So yes, yep. those are those are really key. But I think you know when you talk about, you know, what are the key areas of wellness that are popping up now? There's there's the kind of the home office ergonomics, and also it just keeps going back to mental health and the incident, the increase in the incidence of mental health issues. Um, has escalated. So I was just actually recently reading a report from the Mental Health uh, Commission of Canada, and uh, they indicate that 84% of Canadians have reported worsened mental health since the beginning of the pandemic. Mm. And, you know, that's not going to get any better. Right. Yeah, and it doesn't look like there's going to be anything changing anytime soon. No, Um, there, there isn't. So, you know, everything from meditation and mindfulness sessions, even, you know, short breathing sessions, yoga classes, desk stretching are all, you know, we've seen a lot more interest and demand for these types of programs. And people are also eating all their meals at home, so they have an opportunity to cook healthy and, and start experimenting a bit more that yeah. way. Actually, <laughs> we've got a, a couple of our kinesiologists that are kind of uh, budding chefs. We're actually doing um, live cooking sessions. So, We've got one session, it's it's every week, and it's called Cooking with Rob. He's one of our kinesiologists who loves to cook, and he literally, he sends you out the ingredients. The week before, you have the ingredients there, and you actually cook a, a healthy meal with Rob, and people love it. And, yeah. and it's also the camaraderie, seeing a familiar, familiar face. So people, 
at this particular client, they're used to seeing Rob in the gym. They're used to seeing him doing stretch breaks, and they get to see Rob, right? Whether they're cooking with Rob or doing, you know, a hit class with Rob or whatever they're doing, they get to see that familiar face. Right. Well, that's good, and you know, people are craving connection as well, and I think they that's are. That allows them to have some real connection and a positive real connection. Exactly, yeah. because you know, isolation from working at home is a it's a it's a key health issue. Lonely, yes. you know, loneliness is a is a key risk factor, and I think there's a, a lot more research now showing, you know, pointing to the negative um, health effects of being lonely. Well, there's two sides. You hear a lot about the parents that are that are raising the small children and they're trying to work and they're right. trying to balance being a parent and kids. But then there's mm-hmm. also the side of things where people that live alone, oh, uh, yeah. they their bubble was one. Yeah, their bubble is one, and they're they're not going outside that bubble, and it's it's a very lonely time. And another thing that we're doing with some of our client locations is we are doing uh, coffee chats, so or or tea breaks. So at let's say ten o'clock in the morning, you 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 know you log on, and you have uh, you have your coffee in hand, and your consultant is there, and you're all you know you're all chatting with each other, and you're discussing the day, you're asking your health questions, you're getting your you're you know, you're getting answers, you're sharing healthy ideas, and you do the same in the afternoon, and those have been really popular. Again, yeah. it's that it's that social connection. We're also we're doing. We've got one client that uh, we've got our consultant. She did a, a rock painting session because you know everyone's painting these rocks and they're putting them out with all these great messages. Um, she's also doing um, a, guard, a, a sort of a home gardening session. So you know all of these all of these sort of home based activities have really taken resurgence. And, uh, you know, you've got your consultant that's leading these sessions, someone that you know, and, again, we've had great participation. That's great. Um, do you think, you know, I, I think the pandemic has made people realize that their health is, is they're getting vulnerable, in particular if they've oh, got yeah. a comorbid condition. Oh, yeah. What have you seen for people around fitness? I mean, do some people are some people getting better, some people getting worse? Uh, one of the key trends that I'm seeing is, people doing more with their families. Like I look outside my office window and particularly if I'm sitting here on a weekend, I cannot believe the number of families that I see out walking, um, cycling, skateboarding. As a matter of fact, and I don't know what it's like in Newfoundland, but in Ontario, you cannot buy a bike. If you wanted to buy a bike tomorrow, you would probably be on a wait list for earliest November, December of this year. So that's been a really interesting trend, and we're finding that um, there's more of an interest for family fitness activities. So one of our, you know, a lot of our staff are actually teaching fam. We call them fam jam sessions. So it's little exercise classes that you can actually do with your family, and yeah. those have been really popular because people want to do things together, and they're with their families a lot more. No, but their right. family is their bubble, and they're looking for things. They're looking for opportunities of things that they can do together. So I think that's been a really positive trend. So that that's that's a way that, you know, if an organization is offering some of these things to uh, their employees to keep them engaged, what are, what are some of the other benefits? So say somebody's listening, they got a company and they've been toying with the idea of doing wellness. What are the real benefits of the organization? We know, I think one of the benefits now, just because if you look at the mental the mental health statistics, I think one of the key things is what can you offer your employees that supports their mental health? And I think that that's a key benefit. And we're, you know, we're getting 
calls from companies that we've never dealt with before, and they're, they're, they're asking for virtual programs. What can we do to support their employees while they're working from home? We are concerned about injuries. We're concerned about stress. We're concerned about, you know, we're just generally concerned about their health. So, you know, obviously technology plays a key role, and I, and I just keep going back to the, the meditation and mindfulness sessions. I would have to say that those have been one of the most popular initiatives that we've been delivering to clients, yeah. teaching them how to breathe, teaching them how to relax, um, and, that, and the yoga classes as well. I, those, have been, those have been particularly, um, particularly key. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a really valuable time for people to find a happy medium now, adjust to a new schedule, and if there's any time for them to start adopting good, healthy habits, right. they might have a bit more time because they, mm-hmm. they aren't out and about as much. They so are not, is- no. And they're not, you know, again, they're not going out to restaurants. They're not taking their families out to restaurants. So, you know, the healthy recipes, the cooking sessions, mm-hmm. I mean, that all, I mean, if you know, again, research shows that if you're eating a healthy diet, then that helps with managing stress and anxiety. Again, if you're more physically active, that helps with managing stress and anxiety. So it, it it's all, you know, all of these factors, all these lifestyle habits, they all interconnect. You can't separate, you can't just say wellness is about phys- being physically active, wellness is about eating healthy, wellness is about managing your weight. Uh, wellness is so much more than that. It's the interconnection between all of the, the healthy habits that you adopt and how that can positively impact your health long term. Right, I can, I can, I see that all the time. I see people that are very physically fit but have no balance in their life because no. that is what no. they're obsessed with. Or then there's people no. that um, that that are suffering in other ways because their physical fitness is, is lower. And so that's really the point of the show is to try and find, mm-hmm. you know, create awareness around this should be balanced. It's supposed to be realistic. You can do it at work. You can do exactly. it at home. It has to be simple. It and it has to be simple. It has to be, and it has to be sustainable, because mm. we're going to be doing this for a long time. I don't think yeah. we're ever going to go back to the way way we were. I think one of the other things that, and and I, I haven't really spoken with many people about this or clients, but a lot of our clients have um, or offer their employees fitness subsidies, like club subsidies. Mm. And I would be very interested to see how many organizations claw that benefit back and look at alternative ways to channel those resources into more virtual programs because a lot of people are not going to go back to a fitness club soon and probably organizations don't want to foster that because fitness clubs can be they can be high risk yeah and it's shocking when you only have a set of 10 pound dumbbells how many exercises you can do you realize you don't need a gym full of machines you you know what you do not know (laughs) yeah you know a lot of a lot of organizations have um that you know charge for their clubs Obviously, they're charged for their clubs, but they are offering virtual programs free mm-hmm. to to everyone. You can yep. you can go virtually, whether it's uh, you know a club in your neighborhood, a national club, whether it's a YMCA. They they post a lot of really great workouts. They're live workouts online. That was one of our first episodes during the pandemic. Was uh, a local trainer who's been doing yep. lots of work online yep. and uh, and really getting a big engagement from that. So really, it's it's, it's really nice to see that too. There's opportunities, you know, under every sort of what appears to be a crummy situation, mm-hmm. particularly for wellness right now. Yeah. And I think it's it's also providing opportunities for people to try different things. You know, mm. maybe you've never done yoga before. Maybe you've never done a hit class before. Um, 
maybe your family's never done a class before, and here's an opportunity when there's so maybe much. Maybe you've never cooked with Rob. So. <laughs> exactly. What a great <laughs> opportunity to try all these things out, and you know, start um, start thinking about what would I like to do a long term, even biking. Well, I think you made a, a huge point there. You know, some people are like, I, I think of yoga, for example. We had another show on yoga one time. And, you know, that can be intimidating for somebody to walk in a room and think that they've got to be a yoga master. But if you're in the privacy of your own home and nobody's around. No, no. And you can turn your camera off and you can yeah. just watch. Well, you can mess around as much as you want and you, you can, can fall over and do all the stuff that you, you'd be embarrassed to do in public. But you can totally do it you know, in the privacy of your own home. And that's a great time to break through some of those barriers. And does it and does it matter what you wear? <laughs> Literally, you can wear whatever you want. No one's looking at you. Yeah, no, no one's judging you. Literally, no one is judging you. So there's none of this. Well, I'm, you know, I remember people when way back when I started my career, um, people would say to me, "I'm going to join the gym, but I need to lose five pounds so I can right. look good in my shorts before I do that." Well, there isn't any of that anymore because no one, no one needs to see you. No, I love it. <laughs> No, that's perfect. Yeah. Well, Veronica, thank you so much for that. I, I think it's so valuable for somebody to hear from somebody like yourself who's seeing the best practices that are out there and how people are being engaged in different ways that sort of suit their needs given the very unique circumstances that we're under right now. Thank you so much. Well, you're welcome, and a uh, real pleasure to speak with you, Mike. I wanted to thank Paul and Veronica for joining us today. I hope that it helped you learn a bit more about how you can add wellness into your workplace as a means of connecting with each other in a positive way while integrating health into your day-to-day -day work routine. Well, thanks for joining me today. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Wall. We'll see you next week for another episode of the Health and Wellness Show on your VOCM.